WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning, this is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday. It's November 27th, WABC Time Check 501 right now, sponsored by Bulova Watches. And let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off this week. A lingering chance of rain this morning. Looks like things dry out as we go. Later today, mostly sunny, 51 the high. Overnight into Tuesday, clear, 32 the low. Gusty winds at times. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny, cold. 38 the high, factor in the wind chill, more like 25 or 30 degrees tomorrow. And then Wednesday, mostly sunny, the high near 38. Right now, 47 degrees in midtown Manhattan, 45 in Linden, New Jersey, 49 in Lindbrook on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So if you aren't a football fan, a pro football fan anyway, you may not know the New York Giants have a local kid made good story going on as Tommy DeVito just won his First game at home as a starter. Giants have a little win streak going here. And DeVito played his college ball up in Syracuse, but he's a Jersey kid. He uh, went to high school at Don Bosco. He grew up in Cedar Grove. And so I'm a Giants fan. I've been paying attention. But admittedly, I did not watch as much of the Commanders game a couple weekends ago. Getting the house cleaned up, getting things ready for Thanksgiving, doing the leaves outside. Also not too worried about the Giants, considering their record this year and all the injuries and stuff like that. But Tommy DeVito is now the Giants' starter at quarterback after injuries to starter Daniel Jones and then backup Tyrod Taylor got hurt. And I did know that my plumber's name is Tom DeVito. So I sort of thought to myself without giving it much thought, oh, I wonder if they're related. You know what I mean? Like, he's a Jersey kid. I know my my plumber, If since I live in New Jersey and Essex County, is from New Jersey. Well, they're definitely related. Because I was watching the game yesterday, sitting on my couch, and after Tommy DeVito threw a touchdown, the TV cameras cut to the crowd, and they show the quarterback's dad. Well, the Giants quarterback's dad is my plumber, the guy whose assistant had just been in my kitchen the day before fixing our dishwasher. I I, I, I can't say anything about that. It's just too good. That's mom and dad. I can't say anything. That's Tom too and good. Lexi, Tom yes. Cedar. That, that's too great. That audio courtesy of Fox Sports' Jonathan Vilma and Kenny Albert reacting as Tom DeVito was doing the chef's kiss celebration that his son Tommy DeVito does when the Giants score a touchdown. So here I am. I'm watching the game, and I call to my husband. I say, Chris, look, it's Tom DeVito. He's on TV. And I have to say, shout out to Tom DeVito, the plumber, because he helped us out big time when Tropical Storm Irene came through a couple years ago, crushed everybody. Everybody in my neighborhood in Bloomfield had water in their basement. And he showed up at, you know, whatever it was, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning with a pump and helped me start getting water out of the basement. Um, so anyway, Tom DeVito on screen doing the chef kiss celebration. And after the game, Tommy DeVito, the quarterback, set the record straight. Although his dad was doing that chef kiss celebration, he may be a great plumber. He's no chef. My dad does not cook. I've never seen my dad cook once since I've been alive. He won't make a peanut butter and jelly. My mom handles everything. So that's the story of how I realized my plumber is the Giants quarterback's dad. And good job, Tommy, tossing the one touchdown yesterday that did lead the Giants to the win over New England. 
All right, over to Israel now this morning as President Biden says he's talking with leaders in the Middle East in an effort to extend the four-day ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. We continue to press and expect for additional Americans will be released as well. And we will not stop working until every hostage is returned to their loved ones. And this is after a series of hostages have been released over the last few days, over the last weekend. And there was a bit of a pause at one time. Uh, where basically officials were trying to figure out some some back and forth, some disagreement between Hamas and Israel and all the different negotiators that are involved. President Biden was speaking to reporters in Nantucket, Massachusetts over the weekend, and he expressed relief over yesterday's release of four-year-old Israeli-American Abigail Edan, in addition to other hostages. She's free and she's in Israel now. Those who are now uh, wrapping Abigail in love and care and the supportive services she needs. She's been through a terrible trauma. Young Abigail turned four years old just a few days ago. She spent her birthday, that birthday, and at least 50 days before that held hostage by Hamas. Today, she's free. We're in the kitchen just before the show started, and and Sid, we're looking at the TV, they say, oh, well, the hostages are probably going to need some psychological help. No surprise there. President Biden called the release of hostages the product of hard work and vowed to continue the diplomatic push until all hostages have been returned home. The prime minister of Qatar also says the temporary ceasefire between Israel and Hamas could be extended beyond the four-day agreement. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, Qatari's prime minister and minister of foreign affairs says there could be a longer pause in the fighting if Hamas releases more hostages than originally agreed upon. The original deal called for the release of 50 hostages, but some estimates say that there may have been as many as 240 taken, dated back to October 7th, and Qatar has been one of the parties at the center of negotiations between Israel and Hamas. Meanwhile, the chair of the House Committee on Intelligence says American hostages should have been among the first to be released by Hamas. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press, Republican Congressman Mike Turner of Ohio said the White House needed to make that a condition of the deal that has resulted in a temporary ceasefire. Turner acknowledged the likelihood that Hamas is deliberately delaying the release of American hostages to use them as leverage for bargaining. I'm Mark Mayfield. And back here at home up in Burlington, Vermont, a man is under arrest and accused in an apparent hate crime. 48-year-old Jason Eaton arrested the suspected gunman who allegedly shot three 20-year-old students of Palestinian descent, a triple shooting that unfolded Saturday night. And we'll have more details on that in just a second here. So 48-year-old Jason Eaton, the suspected and now under arrest uh, shooter in this weekend's triple shooting of three 20-year-old Palestinian college students in Burlington, Vermont. The suspect, Eaton, lives in an apartment building not far from where the three victims were shot. And he was identified as a suspect and arrested yesterday. This being called by some news agencies a bias crime or hate crime. As according to a police department news release, the three victims were walking down a street near the University of Vermont. This was early Saturday evening when they were confronted by a white male with a handgun. Again, police say that's Eaton. The suspect did not say anything before firing four rounds and then fleeing on foot. And this statement released by police indicates two of the victims are in stable condition. The third suffered much more serious injuries. And two of the students are reportedly U.S. citizens. The third is a legal resident. And all three were wearing the traditional head coverings, the head scarfs, called kafias. 
And if you can picture Yasser Arafat back in the day and what he wore, that's the look we're talking about. Police say the investigation is in its early stages. They haven't indicated if they're calling the shooting a hate crime. But political leaders are reacting, discussing Saturday night shooting up there in Vermont. And Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders called the shooting shocking, deeply upsetting, and added hate has no place here or anywhere. Here in New York City, police have arrested a Long Island man in connection with a stabbing that unfolded outside of a Chinatown bar early Thanksgiving morning. Rocco Rodden was fatally stabbed. His brother was stabbed, but is now recovering. Police have arrested Gianluca Bordon from Oyster Bay. He was handcuffed on Friday. And the teen who pleaded not guilty is charged with manslaughter and felony assault and will be back in court on Wednesday of this week. Rodden was a resident of Warren, New Jersey, a senior at St. Joseph's Regional High School in Montvale, where he played on the football team. Of course, the city's budget cuts continue to be a big talking point here in New York, and those will impact the police department as well as fire and sanitation. Well, yesterday marked the last time readers can access the New York Public Library system on a Sunday, at least for a while. And by the way, that cut from the tokens of the Lion Sleeps Tonight fame. I know Lou Ruffino knew that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the changes in terms of Sunday and the closed library, it's all due to Mayor Adams' new budget cuts. The NYPL system announced that starting next week on December 3rd, none of the eight branches throughout the Bronx, Manhattan, or Staten Island will operate on Sundays due to cost cutting. The Brooklyn and Queens public library systems have announced similar cutbacks on Sundays. Those won't go into effect until next month, however. After December 17th, New York City will have one library throughout the five boroughs open on Sunday, and that's in Kew Gardens Hill in Queens. Mayor Adams has previously blamed the budget cuts on the cost of the migrant crisis as well as COVID stimulus aid coming to an end and lower vacancy rates in terms of offices and the diminished tax revenue as a result. So we told you about yesterday's successful hostage exchange, which led to the four-year-old American child being freed. New York City cops say pro-Palestinian protesters led to the shutdown of both sides of the Manhattan Bridge yesterday. The 1,000 protesters who describe themselves as an anti-Zionist organization called Jewish Voice for Peace are demanding a permanent ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. The bridge was closed to traffic for about four hours beginning at 1.45 yesterday afternoon on one of the busiest holiday travel days of the year, of course. And some of the demonstrators sat on the pavement blocking the Manhattan side entrance to the bridge. They hung a banner that read, Let Gaza Live. Not clear right now if any arrests were made. Well, this shouldn't rank as surprising here on a Monday morning. GOP presidential hopeful Chris Christie says former President Trump's rhetoric has fueled hatred towards Jews and Muslims in the U.S. When you show intolerance towards everyone, you give permission as a leader for others to have their intolerance come out. The former New Jersey governor speaking there on CNN's State of the Union, he also sharply criticized college and university administrators, he says, are not standing up to anti-whatever, standing up to bias on their campuses. There should be no campus in this country where a Jewish student is afraid to leave their dorm, a Jewish student is afraid to go to their classes, a Jewish student is afraid to go to even have a meal in the dining hall. And of the Republican presidential candidates, Christie has been the most vocally critical of Trump. 
And former President Trump does remain the runaway frontrunner in the polls. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the White House is working closely with Israel to ensure civilians are out of harm's way during military operations. Any military action only takes place after civilians uh, have been accounted for and have the opportunity to be in safety. On CBS's Face the Nation, Sullivan saying he's certain that Israel feels the same way about trying to minimize harm to civilians. To have access to humanitarian assistance and to be out of the way of any military operation. Israel has faced criticism uh, from corners all across the globe of over the reported number of Palestinian civilian casualties in Gaza from military operations. And, of course, this all dating back to the October 7th terrorist attacks by Hamas, which killed more than 1,000 people. Israel has claimed that Hamas is endangering the lives of Palestinian civilians by using them as human shields. Meanwhile, National Security Advisor Sullivan says conditional aid to Israel is not currently part of President Biden's plan. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Sullivan was asked about comments made by President Biden. Biden recently told reporters that conditions on aid to Israel is a worthwhile thought, though enacting that now would disrupt progress in the region. Sullivan says the president continues working with leaders to resolve the conflict. Presidential diplomacy behind closed doors with the Israelis and with our Arab partners, that's what's generating the kinds of results that we're seeing right now. That's the course that he's on. A growing number of lawmakers have been calling for a reduction in Israel's bombing of Gaza. This coming as Congress debates a $14 billion aid package for Israel. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. WABC News Time 516. Let's see what happened in sports yesterday with Sid and Friends in the Morning executive producer Justin Ellick. Thank you, James Flippin. Hope your uh, Thanksgiving was nice and swell. Hope you had a good long weekend there. We do begin on the gridiron at MetLife here where the Giants squeaked by the visiting New England Patriots by a score of 10 to 7. Good enough to secure consecutive wins for the first time this season. Xavier McKinney set up Randy Bullock's go-ahead 42-yard field goal midway through the fourth quarter with New York's third interception of New England's woeful quarterbacks. And the Giants held on to move to 4-8 and eight overall on the year. They've forced nine turnovers during their first uh, quote-unquote winning streak with six coming last weekend against Washington. They picked off Patriots starter Mac Jones twice in the first half and McKinney got the other in the fourth quarter against Bailey Zappi, who relieved Jones to start the second half. Tommy DeVito, once again, was enough under center for the G-men, finishing 17 of 25 for 191 yards and a touchdown, and he did not throw an interception for the second straight week. As for the Jets, Friday afternoon's first-ever Black Friday NFL game saw them get walloped by the Miami Dolphins at home. Final score, 34-13. to Gang Green was actually able to intercept Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa twice uh, on the afternoon, including one return for a score by Brandon Eccles. But uh, nonetheless, Miami was in control for most of the game. The Dolphins cushioned their lead atop the AFC East and moved to 8-3, and three, while the Jets fall to 4-7 and seven with their fourth straight loss. Week 12 in the NFL wraps up tonight with the Chicago Bears set to pay the Minnesota Vikings a visit for Monday night. Football kickoff in Minnesota is set for 8.15 p.m. and the Vikings go in as three-point favorites. And after a long, exciting weekend of uh, College football is while your conference championship games are set. Starting Friday at 7 p.m., it'll be New Mexico State at number 25 at Liberty for the uh, Conference USA Championship. Before 8 p.m., you got number 6 Oregon at number 4 Washington. <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying, don't even bring it up. 
<laughs> number six. This one you got to look out for. Number six, Oregon at number four, Washington. That's the Pac-12 championship game. And then you got the Big 12 championship starting Saturday. That's at noon. Number 20, Oklahoma State at number seven, Texas. This is a big one here as well. The SEC, everybody looking forward to that. Number one, Georgia at number one, uh, eight, Alabama. That's 4 p.m. on Saturday before uh, 8 p.m. The big one as well, Michigan at Iowa. That's 8 p.m. on a Saturday night. Oh, you got Louisville and Florida State also. That's the ACC championship. Looking forward to that. On the hardwood, the Knicks fell 116-113 to at home to the visiting Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker hit a tie-breaking three-pointer with uh, just under two seconds remaining and finished with 28 points and 11 assists to lead the Phoenix Suns. Their seventh straight victory. Jalen Brunson had 35 points, eight assists, and six rebounds, while Julius Randle added 28 points and 17 in the third quarter for the Knicks, who lost for the third time in ten games. In Brooklyn, Spencer Dinwiddie scored 24 points, and the Brooklyn Nets made an NBA season best 25 three-pointers in a 118-109 victory over the Chicago Bulls last night. Lonnie Walker and Royce O'Neal each made six threes, and Mikel Bridges had four. The previous high this season was 23 by Dallas at Memphis on October 30th. They finished 25 of 52. The Nets said is falling short of the franchise record of 27 and the NBA mark of 29. On the ice, no local action to get to from last night, but the Rangers will be back at it tonight at the Garden, getting set to welcome in the Buffalo Sabres for 7 p.m. puck drop. That's Sports James, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 521. So some members of Gen Z might not be able to make it home for the holidays this year. A recent Credit Karma survey found many Gen Z Americans with student debt won't be able to afford traveling home for the holidays on top of their student loan payments. Nearly a third of Gen Z survey participants say they rely on their parents to pay for their travel expenses. A consumer financial advocate at Credit Karma says holidays can cause a lot of financial stress for people who are struggling to make ends meet. And later on this morning, we will talk about this being here Cyber Monday. And then also that leads into Giving Tuesday. New York Congressman George Santos may soon be heading home. He says he expects to be expelled from the House. House Ethics Committee Chairman Michael Guest has introduced a resolution to expel Santos after the committee released a report claiming he violated federal laws. Santos has since been hit with dozens of charges, including wire fraud and money laundering, all of which he denies. On social media, Santos wrote he knows he's going to be ousted when the resolution goes to the floor, but he went on to say that he would wear the expulsion like a badge of honor. I'm Chris Caraggio. Well, do you know who Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson is? A recent poll suggests a significant number of Americans don't. That's not my name. That's not my name. The NBC News poll found 43% of voters didn't know of Johnson or recognize a newly elected speaker's name. The Louisiana Republican won a contentious speaker election last month following the ouster of California Congressman Kevin McCarthy. Meanwhile, 14% of voters said they viewed Johnson positively, while 23% had a negative view of him. I'm Michael Kastner. From that top congressional Republican leader to the leading poll, leader in the polls anyway, amongst presidential candidates on the Republican side, today... An appeals court panel will consider the gag order in former President Trump's civil fraud trial here in New York. Of course, Trump has on several occasions raged against the judge and court staff in this trial, leading to the gag order that was imposed last month. And this is that case that alleges Trump and his family inflated the value of their real estate holdings to get better terms from lenders and insurance companies. The gag order was temporarily blocked by an appeals court, at least until today's proceedings. 
A rare bottle of Scotch whiskey has sold for a record-breaking $2.7 million. The 1926 Macallan Atomy Single Malt Whiskey is one of only 40 that were ever bottled and described as the most sought-after whiskey in the world. After an intense bidding war, it sold for nearly $3 bucks, shattering the previous record for a single malt bottle. I can't do scotch, by the way. The peatiness, just too much. I'll do a whiskey, but really just prefer a nice red wine, if you're asking. A ransomware attack has forced the closure of two hospital emergency rooms in New Jersey. These in Westwood and Montclair. The emergency rooms belong to Pascack Valley Medical Center in Westwood and Mountainside Medical Center in Montclair. Mountainside, the hospital where I was born, by the way. And both are part of the Hackensack Meridian Medical System. There's no word on what the cyber criminals are looking for here, what their demands are. Hospital officials say patients are being diverted to other hospitals and that there is no impact on patient care. Today is Cyber Monday, the first Monday following Thanksgiving and Black Friday, so it's time to look for those hidden sales. We've got some tips on where to look. Amazon has one. How about this? A 32-inch high-definition TV slashed in half. You can get it for 80 bucks. There's also vacuum cleaners, pillows, AirPods, mattresses, furniture, and plenty of other electronics. Analysts say beware of scams. Do your research. If you want to purchase something and don't know much about the company, Google the name, then type scam or research after it, or contact your local Better Business Bureau. I'm Phil Farrar. Yeah, and on this Cyber Monday, the FBI is warning online shoppers about, you know, watching out for scams. Agents say scams range from untrustworthy or fake websites to fake emails offering great deals. There'll be phony charities out there. And smaller cyber scams run by individuals and groups are also common. The FBI says it's basically good to remember the old adage. If it looks too good to be true, probably is. Online shoppers are expected to spend $13 billion here on Cyber Monday. And after you do some shopping today, maybe you want to give to charity tomorrow, as tomorrow is Giving Tuesday, or hashtag Giving Tuesday for the purposes of social media. The Tuesday after Thanksgiving in the U.S. touted as a global generosity movement. And here in the city, you know, you can always look for those Salvation Army red kettles. And the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has charity vending machines set up where you can swipe your credit card and choose from a number of different charities. They have both local and national charities. And many are specifically focused on feeding the needy this holiday season. Nassau County is launching a major holiday food drive as food pantries see a surge in need across Long Island. Nassau are partnering with Long Island Cares to place collection boxes at locations across the county. County Executive Bruce Blakeman asking people to give what they can. You know, it's a wonderful time of the year, but it's also a stressful time of the year uh, for people who, who have needs. Long Island Cares CEO Paul Pachter says some pantries are reporting a more than 60 percent increase in new people coming into programs as the average cost of a grocery card increases by 35 to 40 percent i'm bob brown for 77 wabc news this is a story i would normally pass on but i feel like our own curtis sliwa would find out somehow that i did and give me the business for it so here it is nearly two dozen cats are now safe after being rescued from a locked van in manhattan eyewitness news reports the cops got a call around five o'clock saturday morning about cats that were locked up in a Chrysler Pacific. The emergency services unit was dispatched. They were able to get into the van and get all 21 cats out, and they were then brought to animal care and control. Cops say they were left in that van cold overnight. Not very nice. 
WABC News Time 529. Well, apparently this is the animal rights portion of the program. As we told you just before the traffic update about those rescued city cats. Well, yesterday afternoon, a carriage horse got away from its handler and made a mad dash for the West Side Highway in Midtown. 15-year-old Gunner broke free and dragged its operator behind it, leading to injuries for both the horse and the handler. Gunner at one point collided with four parked cars before it slipped and fell. This all happened in Hell's Kitchen around 3 o'clock yesterday. And unsurprisingly, it's renewed calls from people to do away with house uh, horse carriages. Electric versions are being pushed as a permanent replacement. And that seems like a good idea. I mean, really, the horses are kind of, I mean, they smell, they, you know, they crap everywhere. It's pretty nasty. And, you know, they're very, it's very unsafe for the horses. This isn't 1875, you know. I mean, come on, let's, let's get real. All right, when we get back, new legislation aimed at making kids' sports safer. We've got an update concerning the former Minnesota cop convicted in the death of George Floyd. And what does the FDNY say caused a deadly fire in Harlem last week? WABC News Time 530, James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday, November 27th. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. A lingering chance of rain this morning around the tri-state. Looks like things will dry out as we go here on Monday. Later today, mostly sunny, 51 the high. Overnight into Tuesday, clear, 32 the low. There will be gusty winds. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny, cold, 38 the high. Again, windy. And if you factor in the wind chill... It'll feel more like 25 or 30 degrees tomorrow. Wednesday, mostly sunny, again topping out near 38. 44 degrees in Midtown Manhattan right now, 43 in Linden, New Jersey, 48 in Lynbrook on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Israel reportedly has issues with a list of hostages set for release by Hamas later today. At the same time, the Palestinian group has concerns with the names of prisoners Israel is set to release. And it looks like Qatari mediators are trying to resolve the issues on this fourth and, as of now, final day of a truce between the two sides. President Biden says he's talking with leaders in the Middle East in an effort to extend the four-day ceasefire, with Biden saying the goal is to allow the release of more hostages. The former Minnesota police officer who was convicted of killing George Floyd is expected to survive after he was stabbed in prison. Derek Chauvin serving over 20 years at a federal prison after being convicted of Floyd's murder in Minneapolis back in 2020. He was apparently seriously injured Friday after being stabbed by another inmate. And Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison has chimed in in a statement. He says Chauvin was convicted and should be able to serve his sentence without fear of retaliation or violence. New York Governor Kathy Hochul has signed a youth sports safety bill into law. This was late last week. She put pen to paper, and children's sports programs and camps will now be required in New York to have emergency equipment on hand to help in the case of a cardiac arrest. And they'll need to have an automated external defibrillator on site. At least one trained person at all children's camps and sporting events must be there, including practices. Any program with five or more teams must comply with the new law. The legislation was sponsored by Shelley Mayer, a state senator from Westchester, who chairs the Senate Education Committee. And she points out that more than 7,000 children experience cardiac arrest emergencies every year. 
Cops are investigating here in the city after a woman, her five-year-old son, and a man were found dead at a Bronx apartment. The discovery made yesterday morning along East 136th Street at Cypress Avenue in the Mott Haven section. Cops say a 37-year-old man who lived in the building was found stabbed to death in the hallway. A woman and her young son found stabbed to death inside their apartment. A nearby deli owner telling the New York Daily News that the victims were all a family and he would always see the woman walking her son to school in the morning, said they were all very nice. Cops say the medical examiner's office is investigating the exact manner of these deaths. And investigators with the FDNY say they believe the apartment fire that just claimed two lives was accidental. New York fire officials say it was a candle that sparked an apartment fire in Harlem. Over 100 firefighters were on the scene battling the blaze that started just before midnight Friday. Witnesses say people were jumping from windows to escape the fire. Two men were killed and three people were taken to the hospital with minor injuries. Loved ones for one of the victims, Taekwon Carthens, are organizing a basketball tournament in his honor. The Red Cross says it's helping families who were displaced from the four-story brownstone. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News. Memorial services for first for former First Lady Rosalind Carter set to begin later today. The former First Lady will lie in repose in the lobby of the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library. That's in Atlanta, and that's for members of the public to pay their respects. Rosalind's funeral will be held Wednesday in Plains, Georgia, where she will be buried at the family residence. And we've got more details on the remembrances for the former First Lady in just a minute here. WABC News Time 539. So as funeral services get underway this week, President Biden has ordered flags to be flown at half-staff to honor former First Lady Rosalind Carter. The wife of former President Jimmy Carter passed away Sunday at the age of 96. Flags at U.S. government buildings and military bases will be flown at half-staff from Saturday until sunset November 29th, the day Rosalind Carter will be laid to rest. I'm Lisa Taylor. And the president and vice president, Kamala Harris, will be attending this week's services for the former first lady. The pair, along with their spouses, will head to Georgia on Tuesday for a tribute celebration that will also be attended by former first lady Laura Bush. The memorial events are scheduled to begin Monday with a wreath laying at Georgia Southwestern State University. The wife of former president Jimmy Carter passed away on Sunday at the age of 96. I'm Mark Mayfield. And, of course, going back to the Carter administration, it was a different time, a different era in terms of things like social media and stuff like that. Well, a resident in Colorado Springs is suing Meta, the Facebook and Instagram parent company. 21-year-old Taylor Little claims they were exposed to addictive and graphic content that led to self-harm since the age of 11. I was 11 and really, really, really sad, and I wanted it to feel better. Um, And so I tried it, and it was very quickly an addiction for me. I self-harmed every day for years. Taylor Little says Meta is just too far behind in terms of putting better protections in place for young people using social media. I wish someone had done this for me 10 years ago. Little says Instagram suggested an account that they described as someone's self-harm diary. And Little explains they were dealing with mental health issues and formed a self-harm addiction of their own, as you heard in the one soundbite there, claiming that this started after receiving content about eating disorders and suicide. And apparently that led to Little falling into a spiral, the lawsuit coming at the same time that the Colorado Attorney General has joined a multi-state lawsuit against Meta, alleging their social media platforms are addictive and harmful to kids. 
Meta couldn't comment on Little's lawsuit, but says it's putting more protections in place for youth, such as defaulting people under the age of 16 to private accounts and limiting sensitive content. Meanwhile, a newly unsealed legal complaint claims Facebook and its parent company Meta deliberately engineered its social platforms to hook children. The complaint, described in reports from the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, says that Meta had received millions of complaints about underage users of Instagram, but only disabled a fraction of those accounts. The lawsuit was filed in late October by the attorneys general of 33 states and originally was made public in redacted form. Company documents cited in the complaint describe several Meta officials acknowledging that the company designed its products to exploit children's impulsive behavior and susceptibility to peer pressure, and acknowledge that Facebook and Instagram are popular with children under 13, who, according to company policy, are not allowed to use the service. In a statement to the Associated Press, Meta says the complaint misrepresents its work over the past decade to make the online experience safe for teens. I'm Donna Water. The co-creator of H.R. Puffin Stuff and other classic kids TV shows from the 60s and 70s has died. If you grew up in the late 60s or early 70s, you're almost certainly familiar with the live-action TV kids shows produced by Canadian brothers Sid and Marty Croft, often featuring large-headed puppets, high-concept plots, and extensive use of low-budget special effects. They provided costumes and puppets for Hanna-Barbera's Banana Splits, but went on to produce several of their own shows, including H.R. Puffin Stuff, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, and Land of the Lost. Marty Croft died of kidney failure Saturday in Los Angeles at the age of 86. I'm Scott Carr. The Kiss End of the Road Tour is back on the road. The band had to cancel its final two shows in Canada and this past Friday show in Nashville while Paul Stanley was sidelined with a bout of the flu. Kiss was back on stage Saturday night in Indianapolis, and they're scheduled to play in Illinois tonight and then in Baltimore on Wednesday before wrapping everything up with shows Friday and Saturday night at Madison Square Garden here in New York City. And the story of the Kiss tour is relevant in terms of that crash, that fiery crash at the U.S.-Canadian border that unfolded last week on Wednesday. Two people killed in that fiery crash at the border have been identified as residents of New York. The Niagara Falls Police Department says 53-year-old Kurt Villani and his wife, 53-year-old Monica Villani, were the couple inside the car that exploded after it slammed into a structure near the Rainbow Bridge near Niagara Falls, that security checkpoint last Wednesday. And what happened was Villani, Kurt, and his wife, uh, Monica, they were headed to a KISS concert that, as you just heard, had to be canceled because Paul Stanley got sick. So they had, I guess, per reports, decided, okay, if we can't go to the concert, which was supposed to be um, in Toronto, I think, then we'll go gamble, I guess, and we'll go to the Niagara Falls Casino. But, you know, somehow, someway, they got into an accident, and if you've seen the video of it, it was really wild. More or less what happened was they were kind of entering the security checkpoint area, the car uh, accelerates, goes upwards of like 100 miles per hour, 
goes onto a barrier like a concrete bollard of some kind, and it more or less ramps them up into the air. They came down, they slammed, they crashed. It shut down the border. The bridges were closed, the whole thing. I know here in the newsroom there were reports that it might have been a terrorist attack. The FBI got involved. The whole thing was very intense, but it really just, I guess, turned out to be an accident of some kind. And I haven't heard if, if you know, it was Kurt Villani driving or Monica Villani, if maybe there was a medical thing involved. Um but, you know, they do say, federal investigators, that it was not a terrorist attack. All right, so we'll get a recap of Black Friday, and we'll check in on what's going on with Wall Street this morning in just a second. But WABC News Time 545, that means it's time to get the latest in sports from good old Justin Ellick. Oh, thank you, good old James Flippin'. We'll start here on the gridiron. <laughs> Congratulations, <laughs> birds. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Thank you very much. We get on the gridiron at MetLife with the Giants squeaked by the uh, visiting New England Patriots by a score of 10-7. to 7, Good enough to secure consecutive wins for the first time this season. Xavier McKinney set up Randy Bullock's go-ahead 42-yard field goal midway through the fourth quarter with the uh, with New York's third interception of New England's woeful QB situation. And the Giants held on to move to 4-8 and eight over, uh, or on the year, I should say. They forced nine turnovers during their first winning streak on the year, with six coming last weekend against Washington. They picked off uh, Pat starter Mac Jones twice in the first half and McKinney got the other in the fourth quarter against Bailey Zappi. He relieved Jones to start the second half. Tommy DeVito once again was just enough under center for the G-Men finishing 17 of 25 for 191 yards and a touchdown. He didn't throw an interception for the second straight week. As for the Jets Friday afternoon's first ever Black Friday NFL game saw them get walloped by the Miami Dolphins at home. Uh, final score there 34 to 13. Gang Green was actually able to intercept Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa twice on the afternoon including one return for a score by Brandon Eccles, but uh, nonetheless, Miami was in control for most of the game. The Dolphins cushioned their lead atop the AFC East and moved to 8-3. and three. Well, the Jets fall to 4-7 and seven with, the four, with their fourth straight loss. Week 12 in the NFL wraps up tonight with the Chicago Bears set to pay the Minnesota Vikings a visit uh, for Monday night football kickoff in Minnesota. is set for 8-15 p.m. The Vikings go in as three-point favorites. And a long weekend of college football has our conference championship games set for this coming weekend. Starting on Friday, you've got uh, number 6 Oregon at number 4 Washington for the Pac-12 championship. And on, on Saturday at uh, 4 p.m., you've got number one Georgia at number eight Alabama. That's the SEC championship. And then a couple big ones here as well for the nightcap, 8 p.m., number three Michigan at 17 or Iowa. That's the Big Ten championship before number 10 Louisville at five Florida State. That's the ACC championship. On the hardwood, the Knicks fell 116-113 to 113 at home to the visiting Phoenix Suns, and in Brooklyn, Spencer Dinwiddie scored 24 points, and the Brooklyn Nets made an NBA season best 25 three-pointers in a 118-109 victory over the Chicago Bulls. On the ice, no local action to get to from last night for the Rangers. We'll be back at it tonight at the Garden, getting set to welcome in the Buffalo Sabres for a 7 p.m. puck drop. James, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Thank you very much, Justin. WABC News Time 548. So sales were up in the U.S. on Black Friday. MasterCard's spending pulse said on Saturday that retail sales rose 2.5% year over year, not adjusting for inflation. MasterCard's spending pulse measures in-store and online sales across all forms of payment and said it expects retail sales to grow 3.7% during the holiday season. I'm Mark Mayfield. And today is Cyber Monday. We'll get a check-in on Wall Street and what to expect as the week unfolds. WABC News Time 550. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden this morning. You're on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So the opening bell when it rings later this morning on Wall Street after a holiday-shortened trading week. 
will be coming back from the closing bell on Black Friday when the Dow Jones Industrial Average gained 117 points. The S&P 500 was up two points, and the NASDAQ Composite was down 15 points. And checking in on Wall Street this morning, we do know the major indexes are on a four-week-long winning streak. It's been a big November for stocks. Mortgage rates, by the way, are down for four straight weeks. And in terms of this week's economic data, today we'll get new home sales for October. Tomorrow, the S&P Case-Shiller 20-City Home Price Index for September will be published. And then November's Consumer Confidence Index is also due. Wednesday, look for the revised GDP print for the third quarter. Also, the Fed's Beige Book, or Summary of Economic Conditions, which comes out eight times a year. On Thursday, weekly jobless claims will come out. We'll also get the PCE index for October. That's the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, so the market will be closely watching that one as everybody tries to figure out what's coming in terms of rate hikes, potentially, in 2024, maybe some reductions. October's pending home sales Thursday as well, so we're going to get a lot of um, housing market data this week. Friday, construction spending, same stuff. ISM manufacturing index for November. And November's auto sales are due Friday to close out the week. Also keep an eye out as Fed Chair Jerome Powell will deliver comments on Friday, and for sure the market will react to those. Back in the tri-state, a $10,000 reward is being offered for the suspect for whoever killed a woman in Elizabeth, New Jersey. As cops say, 30-year-old Victoria Myers was found dead early Thursday morning at an apartment complex, and authorities are now looking for 30-year-old Gerald Manning. He's been charged with first-degree murder, weapons possession, and endangering the welfare of a child. Anybody with any information asked to call Union County Crime Stoppers. Over in Los Angeles, police are calling for the L.A. County Sheriff's Department to take action against two deputies who were caught on film beating a disabled man. The man's attorney, Christian Contreras, says the beating was not justified. There was no report of a crime. There was no one who called 911 on Mr. Hernandez. And there was nothing which should have caused the deputies to have stopped Mr. Hernandez. Despite those facts, they tried to stop him. And when they stopped him, they recognized that he had a disability. And Hernandez's mother calling for the deputies involved to be held accountable. Some of the police officers here are corrupt. You know, they're not here to protect and to serve. It looks like they're out there trying to beat up young men, you know, that are, are can't walk the streets or wash their cars because, you know, they're being beat up. Video taken last Monday afternoon shows one deputy placing Alejandro Hernandez in a chokehold, and another can be seen punching him in the face. Hernandez is missing one leg. On Saturday, about two dozen people held a protest in East L.A. where that rough arrest happened. The LASD says Hernandez had reached for his waistband where he was hiding a loaded gun and that he was resisting arrest. Staying on the West Coast here, the three-week-long Portland, Oregon teacher strike has come to an end. On Sunday, the school district and the teachers' union reached an agreement on a tentative contract. The Portland Association of Teachers says it gives teachers pay raises, more time to prepare, and additional mental health support for students. The school district released a statement saying they're relieved that students will be able to return to school with classes starting two hours late here on Monday. Taking a look at the weekend box office, the Hunger Games prequel, The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, topped the box office for the second straight week with $42 million. The Ridley Scott historical drama Napoleon finished second with 
$1.5 million, and the animated film Wish settled for third place with an estimated $31.7 million taken in during the five-day weekend, around 15 to $20 million below projections, by the way. WABC News Time, 555. So, as we told you, President Biden says he's talking with leaders in the Middle East in an effort to extend the four-day ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas war. We continue to press and expect for additional Americans will be released as well. And we will not stop working until every hostage is returned to their loved ones. Yeah, Biden highlighting that the goal here is to allow for the release of more hostages. He was talking in Nantucket over the weekend. And the president specifically expressed relief over yesterday's release of four-year-old Israeli-American Abigail E. Don, who was released in addition to other hostages. She's free and she's in Israel now. Those who are now uh, wrapping Abigail in love and care and the supportive services she needs, she's been through a terrible trauma. And here in the U.S., in Burlington, Vermont, a man has been arrested, 48-year-old Jason Eaton. He's the suspected gunman who allegedly shot 30-year-old, three 20-year-old students of Palestinian descent on Saturday night near the University of Vermont campus. Apparently, Eaton allegedly approached the three men with a handgun, didn't say anything, but opened fire. And two of those victims are in stable condition. The third suffered what are said to be much more serious injuries. Two of those students are U.S. citizens. The third is a legal resident. And at the time, they were wearing the traditional scarf head coverings that are known as kafias. And police say they had investigations in early stages. They have not called it a hate crime. The city's budget cuts continue to be in focus here. And we know that yesterday marked the last time, at least for the time being, when readers can access the New York Public Library system on a Sunday. And this is all due to Mayor Adams' new budget cuts. The NYPL system announced that starting next week on December 3rd, none of the eight branches throughout the Bronx, Manhattan, or Staten Island will operate on Sundays due to cost cutting. And these cost cuts are also going to impact various city agencies, including the NYPD, FDNY, and Sanitation Department. WABC Time Check is 5.57. WABC Time Check Sponsored by Belova Watches, you can discover those finely crafted timepieces at Macy's. So, what's coming up this morning on Sid and Friends in the Morning? Good thing we can talk to Justin Ellick, the executive producer, to find out. Good thing flipping uh, coming up. It's a brand new week on Sid and Friends in the Morning. We'll get you going in the right way. Bottom of each hour on this Monday morning, as is always the case, you don't want to miss our clip of the day today featuring the Cats Roundtable. In the way of guests, kicking things off live here in studio every single day. It's going to be Curtis Slew at 710 before uh, Rich Lowry. We'll do him at 745 this morning for his weekly Monday morning segment with Sid. We'll do Lizzie Savetsky at 8.45. Looking forward to that. Before, Carrie Lake makes her return to the program. Our good friend Carrie at 9.30. Looking forward to that. James flipping on this Monday morning. Sid and friends in the morning coming right at you. And it is Monday, November 27th, Cyber Monday. Tomorrow's Giving Tuesday, so you can go capitalist today and philanthropist manana. And in the Ramsey Mazda weather forecast, drying out today, getting up to 42 with strong wind gusts at times. I'm James Flippin, filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour.
7 WABC. Both are real New York. WABC. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.